everybody. Amen. Let's stand this morning together. We are going to get in one mind and one accord with the Lord's help. Amen. So uh, let's, the way we do that is we think about the same thing, we focus on the same thing, and that is most the, the thing that brings us together here this morning is our knowledge and experience with the Lord. Yes. Aren't you thankful that you are in the house of God? The Lord has made that possible. The Lord has made it. He's, he's done a work in your life and here you are this morning. So so let's go to him right now, Lord. You are the author and the finisher. God, we look to you here in the in-between, in the middle, while you're still writing our stories, while you're still fulfilling the promises that you have made to us. And Lord, there are exceedingly great and precious ones, some of them which lie ahead of us. Not in this in-between here today, we're looking to you. We're asking God for your guidance and direction. We're asking, Lord, this morning that you will not only give us the way, but you will give us the will to do it to pursue and to follow after your heart. In Jesus' name, in Jesus amen. Name. amen, amen. Shake somebody's hand before you sit down. Trying to catch you there. Christ shall rise first. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. Wherefore, in other words, in light of that, comfort one another with these words. But in the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The next chapter, uh, or, excuse me, not the next chapter, but I, I want to read uh, two verses from 2 Thessalonians, moving over to the second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2 and verse 1, where he says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in light of the cause of coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So Paul, in his writing to, we have been kind of tracing the the work of God in in Greece. Uh, and here he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And uh, there are two letters that are written to them that we have. And, and uh, he, in both letters, addresses the coming of the Lord. But the, uh, the, the words that he uses, and it's not so much designed to give us some kind of timeline or something like that, but his desire is to make sure that he has imparted to us a confidence, an expectation that the Lord is coming back and that those who have went to be with the Lord already are not, their bodies are not going to be prevented from taking part in this resurrection. But yes, they're going to be resurrected as all also to, to join with us. Yes. And so this hope that we have, the Bible calls it a blessed hope. Not just any hope, but a blessed hope. <laughs> and uh, uh, I had a handshake this morning. Someone, someone said good morning, but pronounced blessed hope. And I appreciate that. This is a blessed hope. There's a blessing in this hope. It, first of all, it affirms the deity of Jesus. Amen. Uh, the scripture is very clear. Titus 2 and 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Not talking about two coming. It's talking about our Savior Jesus Christ who is our great God. Amen. He's going to appear to us. So it, it, it's letting us know that, that Jesus Christ is our great God. There, there's a great blessed hope in that. Our Savior is our God. Amen. But uh, since the time that the disciples stood on that mount and watched the Lord ascend up into the heavens, into the clouds, and heard the voices of those two men, angels that were standing there that, that showed up as they were looking up, gazing up into the heavens, and uh, stood by them in light apparel, the Bible says, and they said to them, 
Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken away or taken uh, up into heaven, from you up into heaven, so shall come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. From that moment, there has been a hope that, that, that believers would see Jesus. The one who walked with the disciples, raised the dead, healed the sick, conquered death, hell, and the grave. We're going to see him. Amen. And he's going to come back to this earth in like manner as he went away, as he, as he ascended up into the clouds. He's going to come back in the clouds. Uh, and his, his return is going to be kind of the reverse of his departure. They watched him going up. We're going to see him coming down yeah. from the clouds. It's going to be the same Jesus that went up that's going to be coming back. The cloud that he received him was going to bring him back. And, and uh, when he went out of their sight and disappeared from them into the heavens, that same cloud is going to reveal him once again when he returns. So we have a blessed hope. We have a tremendous hope. I believe we all want to see Jesus. Yeah. There was some men in the Bible that uh, they, you know, sometimes the disciples kind of stood in the way or in the, in the between, if you will, and they come and they said, sirs, we want to see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Amen. So let's talk about this blessed hope this morning. Uh, Paul linked the second coming of Jesus Christ to this world to our hope and our comfort. I think we all need a little more hope, a little Amen. more comfort this morning, right? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brother, concerning them which are asleep, that ye saw not as uh, those others that have no hope. And he goes on in 2 Thessalonians to say, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even, at also, even as also ye do. There is hope of a resurrection. Now, all right, let's dig into this for just a moment. Throughout the Old Testament, and I was, uh, I enjoyed very much listening to one of our elder ministers, Brother uh, Joe Hicks, yesterday, speaking at a funeral that I attended, uh, as he talked about how God spoke to men in the Old Testament. Uh, and he's doing, presently doing a study on that. He's, he's Every instance where he's reading through his Old Testament and study Bible, he's highlighting, he's making a list of every instance in the Old Testament that the word of the Lord came, that God spoke to a man. Very fascinating stuff. But those men who lived in the Old Testament, uh, one of Satan's greatest tools against them was that they would that, that death would be a somehow an end. That death would, would be the termination of any promises that had been made. And so that in this life they, there was hope. In this life they, they would cling to promises, but there was this fear of death that they all experienced. And the Lord defeated that 
when he rose again uh, after being crucified at Calvary on the third day, he conquered death and became what the Bible calls the first fruits of the resurrection. He was the first, but there are many, many more to come. That's where our hope lies. But Satan, at that moment, lost his greatest weapon that he had. Now, Christ is risen. Now, the sting of death has been removed. Now, death has been swallowed up in victory, the scripture tells us. And so, because of this, we have... Uh, that, that tool that Satan used has been taken from him. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all in most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and became the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruption, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I want to run out to the cemetery this morning. And just holler out in that cemetery. Oh death, where is your state? Oh great, where is your victory? It has lost its victory and it has lost its thing this morning because of the work of Christ at Calvary today. And we have this hope that those who are dead in Christ are going to live again. Amen. Paul wrote, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I want to I want to give you some comfort this morning. I believe you'll get a hold of it will help you today. Amen. The present is not final. That's right. That's right. The present is not final. Whatever the circumstance are, whatever potential grief, sorrow, pain. Worry, concern, maybe the present is only temporal. That's right. It is not the final say. Your present experience. They shall, the, the, the scripture tells us in the book of Revelation about that time when uh, those who have come out of great tribulation, they, they are in the presence of the Lord. They shall hunger no more. They shall neither thirst anymore, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto fountains, living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
That sounds like a place I want to go this morning. I believe I, I, I believe I want to make that my, my final destination, a place like that. Now, the New Testament says a lot more about the resurrection of the dead. In the Old Testament, there's, you know, some allusions to it here and there, and Job is one of my favorite on that subject, the man who lived very, very, very ancient times, way back there, before we had the law, before we had a lot of the revelation that God gave line upon line, precept upon precept in the Old Testament, before there was a knowledge about the things that John the Revelator saw and all that, Job, Job said, said, yet I know that my Redeemer liveth. He said, in the flesh I shall see God. He reached out there and grabbed hold of something that had not really been nailed down and not really been proclaimed, and, and he just grabbed hold of it and said, Something in my spirit tells me it is going to be so. But I guess maybe the clear statement in the Old Testament comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 2. says, And many of them that slept in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And this matches up with Jesus' words in the New Testament. John chapter 5, and he said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So, uh, we, we have a tremendous hope. Now, Lest anyone rob you of that hope. Paul was writing to these Thessalonians who had become somewhat weakened, I believe, in their faith concerning this. Uh, and uh, I'll show you an example here, okay? In many of Paul's letters, at the start of the book, start of the letter, writing, he would commend them on their faith, hope, and love. Uh, but if he did not, or if he left out one of those elements, then he would uh, he would go on to encourage them in that specific area. All right. So even in the book of his first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul uh, commends the church in First Thessalonians one and three for its uh, faith, hope, and love. But when he writes the second letter to them, he only mentions faith and love. And then he goes on to talk to them more about the need for this hope. And so, uh, we're, th this church evidently experienced some things that began to shake their hope. And uh, I want to say that the word from which hope in our text we read this morning comes, the Greek word there, does not mean wishful thinking. Sometimes that, our definition of hope, that's, that's, that's the primary meaning of it, is just, you know, just kind of wishful thinking. They're just holding out hope, maybe somehow. But the word that is used there means a solid, fervent belief 
confidence, expectation that it is going to happen. There's a little bit of a, uh, uh, a gap that has to be bridged in language here from the times of the first century when this letter was written to our day and time today. We just see this word hope and we think, but the actual word that was used when Paul and what they understood when they heard this was, he's not talking about wishful thinking here. They understood there's a different word for that. This is a supreme confidence. And he encourages them to hold on to that confidence. Now, there evidently had been some things happen that, that was kind of shaking that confidence in them. And so he's trying to shore that up in these letters in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 1 through 3. He said, now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or spoken word or a letter, seeming to be from us. In other words, there were fake letters being sent around at that time. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. There were, there were letters being written and they would attach names to them of apostles and things to try to give them, uh, uh, you know, more, uh, more meaning, more, more uh, strength, to strengthen what was being said in them. And people would sometimes say whatever they believed or whatever they wanted to say and put an apostle's name to them. Some of those letters survived and, and, and they're not part of the canon of scripture because there is clear evidence that they were not, but there is clear evidence that these were. And and uh, and, and so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you can imagine that if you attach the name Peter to it or somebody like that, that immediately uh, one, whoever received it would, man, this has to be the word of God. And so, uh, but, but he said, even if you get a letter that purports to be from me, us, from me, don't be shaken of this thing. Don't be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or spoken word or letter coming seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. There's two possibilities here. Either these Thessalonian believers were thinking that and being told maybe that the day of the Lord had already come. And so now they had no more hope for something in the future. That somehow uh, events that had happened fulfilled these prophecies and, and that it, it must have already happened. Some perhaps were being taught that, or perhaps, and this I think is the more likely scenario, uh, they were realizing uh, that people had died that had been born again of the water and of the Spirit. A little time since the day of Pentecost had transpired. And there were believers, Holy Ghost filled people, new birth people that had died. And they are expecting the Lord to come back. And they're sorrowing in that these folks have passed on and they're not going to get to see this. Because they misunderstanding the nature of his return. And so Paul is assuring them, those that sleep, not only are they going to get to see this, but actually they're going to rise first. I thought about how does that happen? What how, how is this going to take place? Brother, 
uh, Brother Blackshear uh, talked about out there at the, uh, the cemetery, that area where many of our relatives are buried, that corner of the cemetery. He said, I'd like to be standing right here when the Lord comes by. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought about this, this magnetic power that causes us to be lifted up, caught up, uh, much like the Lord went up into the clouds. We're going to meet him in the air, the Bible says. This, he's going to be coming in the clouds, and we're going to come to meet him, all right? So, so we have this uh, meeting in the air. But the, it's, in, in my way of looking at this, in my view of possibility, this thing kind of starts somewhere like deep in the earth, and it starts coming up. And those that are in the earth, those that sleep in the Lord, they are first changed. And then it comes up to us, and we join with them, and we are together caught up into the air. Does that make sense? Does that kind of fill in blanks there, perhaps? This, this is the Lord's return. He's coming in the clouds, and, uh, and, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first to meet him. And we're going to meet him and forever be with him. Uh, but they're going to rise first and then we're going to be caught up. And we're going to together meet him in the air. So, so this, is, this is what is happening. And Paul is assuring these Thessalonians, don't you worry about those who sleep in the Lord. Those who sleep in Christ. Now the word sleep is used in, in the Bible for those that are awaiting Christ's return, that are prepared, that have made their calling and election. Sure. Uh, they, they just sleep. Uh, now, that is not a word that is foreign to the language of the day and the literature of the day. Uh, Homer's Iliad, you can read, he, he uses that for folks who have died, those that sleep. So it's, but, but I love the language that the scripture uses because it's it kind of like, they're just asleep. They're going to wake up. Now, I've done a little thinking about this myself. The Bible tells us, Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ, right? So, but the body is in the ground. The body is buried or the body is, is dead. The body's passed away. But, but we, our spirit is present with the Lord. Uh, but the body is not going to be resurrected until that first resurrection. And when that happens, uh, the body which sleeps, the body which currently has no uh, knowledge or feeling or it's, it's not aware. The body will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye like those of us who are alive and remain because our bodies are going to, uh, that, that are corruptible, that already the seeds of death are in every one of us from the moment that we are born. Uh, they can take your DNA and may be able to tell you what you're likely to die from. That seed is already in you. Something. But, but here's the thing. Uh, we're going to be changed from, in, from corruption. That corruption is going to be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we're going to take on incorruption. We're going to take on, uh, on the God's nature. The, uh, we're going to become uh, like him in, in the sense that like the resurrected Christ was who appeared to people in a room through locked doors who, who uh, could just show up. That's the kind of bodies we're going to have, a glorified, resurrected body like Christ who was the first fruits who showed us what it's like. And that's going to happen to us 
in that moment. We're going to, and, and in the present, present, the body is asleep, but the spirit is with the Lord. I don't know what all of that means. I don't know. I can't tell you that those that are present with the Lord that have gone on already, I can't tell you that they are uh, dancing on streets of gold right now. I don't know what they're doing right now. I, I don't know that. I know that there is great hope placed in the scripture for that resurrection when they're going to be united with their bodies and us with them. And we're all going to have put on this incorruption and ever be with the Lord, right? Uh, but at present, all we can say, very, you know, from a biblical standpoint, is they are in the presence of the Lord. Absent from the body, they are present with the Lord. So death is lost in sting. The moment, you know, if somebody was to take our lives, uh, they, they might think that they was doing us a great uh, harm or something like that. But Paul understood that, that actually I went either way because the moment my life is taken, I'm in the presence of the Lord. What hope? What hope? And so he's teaching on that here in the letters to the church of Thessalonica. And, and he, he assures them that these prophecies concerning our Lord's return have not yet happened. All right? Yeah, they, yeah, some of your brothers and sisters in the Lord, they have died now. It's been a few years since the day of Pentecost. They have the spirit of Christ in them, but they're dead. They're in the, in the grave. But don't you worry a bit about them because there's coming something that has already been prophesied <laughs> that is going to, and, 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 but at the same time, you know, maybe they was thinking, well, the Lord's probably coming tomorrow and they, they done died and they're not going to get to see it. Anymore. Listen to what, what he assures them of, that before that day of the Lord comes, there's going to be a great falling away, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. The revealing of the man of sin, otherwise known as the Antichrist or the son of perdition. That's going to happen. Uh, and, and he's going to stand in opposition to God. He's going to confirm a covenant the scripture teaches. And it confirmed that covenant, the Bible says. Uh, that's in, in What is the covenant? God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you the land. This Antichrist is going to confirm that covenant with Israel. Is going to say, all right, uh, you do have right to this land. And when they are given that right, they're going to do what they want to do right now and they're preparing for it. They're going to build their temple. That's right. It's going to enable them to build their temple. And they're going to build that temple. It's going to be standing and, and their sacrifices, Old Testament type sacrifices, are going to be taking place three and a half years later after the signing of that covenant. Uh, they're going to be doing that. And when they do that, at that point, this man of sin is going to stand in that temple and tell them, no more sacrifices, I'm your Messiah, I'm your God. And when he does, God says that's going to be the beginning of the overspreading of abominations. He's going to stand there and say he's God. And they're going to recognize that he is not their God. And they're going to turn against him, this one who had been their answer to prayer that allowed them to build their temple and see their dreams coming true, they're going to realize he is not the answer they thought he was. And they're going to be distraught and he's going to become very angry with them, so much so 
that another three and a half years later? Do, do you know that usually these, when they, they come up with these uh, treaties and things regarding uh, the, the Jerusalem and all of that, uh, you look at history uh, in, in the past few years, I'm talking about in my lifetime, they usually make seven-year deals. Right. You know, this is, we're going to try this for seven years, and then this point, we're, you know, we're going to take it a step further or something like that. It's going to be a seven-year deal. And in the middle of that week of years, uh, the, Daniel tells us that the Antichrist is going to stand there and he's going to say, All right, so, so I, I, I did want to get so much into prophecy and things like that this morning, specifics of the details of that, but this is what's going to happen. And, and, he's, and, the, and Jesus told him, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. What's going to happen? For three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to turn on them. And those settlers in Judea, those ones in the West Bank, those ones in the world right now, they're, they're trying to they, they do sanctions against them. Anything made made in the West Bank, they're, they're, they, they won't sell it in their stores. This is right here in America. They're doing this. Uh, they won't sell it because they, they won't recognize their right to have that land. Those people are pushing that in Judea. And so that last three and a half years, those settlers in Judea, uh, they're, they're, the Antichrist is going to uh, wreak great havoc, and he's going to persecute them greatly. Come down, many are going to die. This is what the Bible teaches us. But uh, when all of this happens, Paul warns about it, Jesus warns about it. Uh, whatever the sense of that fulfillment, in, uh, it, it did not get fulfilled, Daniel's prophecy did not get fulfilled by Antiochus. I don't know if you've heard of him. I won't go into that this morning, but if you're interested in that, talk to me about it. I'll tell you about a historical figure who, between the time of Daniel and the time of Jesus, shortly before Jesus came by, he was one of them. You know, he he um, he did some things that they that's been claimed to be the abomination of desolation, uh, sacrificing things and stuff. Anyway, but but it is clearly not him because Jesus says when you see afterwards he's telling when you see it's going to happen in the future it's, it's a future event so this event is Paul is telling him it's future coming it's not already happened but it is going to happen you hang on to that hope right. and, and so there's this assurance listen to these words that he uses that assures them in, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 14, 17, 5 and 2 he says God will bring with him. Listen to that. God will. Somebody say, God will. God will. I want you to know God will. Yes. Praise God. Yes. And he says, the coming of the Lord. The Lord is coming. Everybody say, the Lord's coming. How about this? The Lord himself shall descend. That's right. Come heaven with a shout. Hallelujah. And we shall be caught up. I tell you what, I feel that right now. Amen. I tell you, I, I feel every time the presence of the Lord comes in amongst us, 
I just feel this lifting spirit. I don't yeah. know about you. And, and but one of these days, amen, it's going to happen. It's going to lift us right up out of here and be yeah. in the air. Uh, amen. I, I feel that right now. Under those that look for his appearance, shall he appear the second time. I believe there's some folks here this morning already kind of feeling that. And we're yeah. looking for his appearance. And our eyes are on the skies this morning. And we're not going to lose our hope. As maybe the Thessalonian church did. I'm talking about a confidence this morning. <laughs> yes. Hallelujah. He goes on and says, to meet the Lord in the air. I get to meet him. I get to meet him. That word meet, I did a little word study on that, and I found out that it was often used in reference to when a, a king would come to visit a city, and the elders or the leaders of the city would go out in advance to meet him and to welcome him. And together they would come back to the city. That is exactly what the scripture prophesies is going to happen when the saints meet him in the air as he is returning for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And they're together going to return to this earth to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. The millennial reign with Christ. The lion's going to lay down with the Lamb. And the serpents are not going to harm there's going to be peace on earth. They're going to beat their swords and weapons into plowshares. And, and uh, you that have been faithful, uh, amen, over a little, God's going to make you ruler over much. We're going to be in this earth with immortal bodies among mortals, living and dying. Uh, and we are going to rule. This is what the Bible teaches. That's right. We're going to be with the Lord to rule and reign. Now, at the end of that thousand years, all of the dead, both small and great, are going to be resurrected. So, like the Old Testament says, everyone dead is going to hear his voice. Yes. But there's the resurrection unto life, and there's the resurrection unto eternal damnation. And so, at the end of that thousand years, Satan's going to be loose. He's going to be bound during that thousand years. But at the end, he's going to be loose. And when that happens, amen. Uh, there's going to be this this great culmination of all things right. when the Lord is going to uh, cast Satan into that lake of fire. He's going to, and, and, and those that have not, uh, not received the covering of the Lord's blood through the new birth, were Old Testament saints that looked forward to that and by faith were justified. Uh, they're going to, they're going to, they're already going to have been risen. But there is this millions and millions of people that are going to be resurrected at that point. <coughs> and they're going to stand in judgment. And they're going to have to give an answer for everything, every idle thought, everything they have done. And they're going to be, they're going to be judged by the books. The books are going to be open. They're going to be judged by these books of the Bible. And, and so uh, their, uh, their sins are going to be found out and discovered. But, but what I'm talking about this morning is that great hope for the church today. And so in keeping with the words of the angels, the same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Paul, Paul would write, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Yes. Right? That's what the angels said. That's what Paul says. The Lord is going to say. Uh, that, that, that may seem incredible to think. 
that we're going to look up and see Jesus descending from the clouds. For some, that's just too much to believe, and so they have tried to come up with explanations of things. But, but when he went up, that was a miracle. Yes. When he comes back, it's going to be a miracle. Yes. There's no explanation for it. You're not going to be able to explain it. It's just God does it. Yes. Amen? And we're going to be taking them. That's going to be a miracle too. Praise God. Amen. His second coming is going to be a miraculous event, just like his departure was when he left uh, those disciples there on the hillside that day. But the scripture tells us, you which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The word there is arpazo, which means caught up. It's translated caught up. We're going to be going to be caught up. Rapture is a word that is uh, comes from Latin uh, which which basically means the same thing. It's to snatch away or to, to catch away. And we use that term a lot for rapture. But it's it's the catching away. And, and that's what's going to happen. We're going we're to experience that and meet the Lord in the air. And so Paul says now you are to encourage one another with these words. There's not a person in this house that don't need some encouragement. Every one of us are encountering things in our experience in our life, challenges our faith, things that, uh, that we don't have answers for, explanations for. That's life. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. And because we're in the world, things are happening. But in whatever your experience is, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever you're you're, you're battling and you're facing and you're putting on that whole armor, full armor of the Lord to fight against the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness and all of these things. You're putting all of this on to, to, to stand against what the Bible calls the wiles of the devil. The devil's attempts to destroy your faith. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever the devil is bringing against you today, amen, the, 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 Paul understood the church needs to encourage one another with these words. Amen. Whatever the present may look like, it's not found. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. There are some things that, that and, and I love the way the scripture says, uh, it came to pass. And we hang on to that. This too shall pass. Amen. Amen. It, it, it's a passing thing. It's, it's a temporary thing, whatever it is that I'm facing right now. But I want to hang on to this hope. And I want you to encourage me. And I want to encourage you Amen. with this blessed hope, the Bible calls it. Amen. It's not found. Whatever's going on right now, whatever the enemy may be doing in your life, yes. he does not have the final say. Amen. The author is also the finisher. Yes. And he's going to put the finishing touches on it. And when he does, Amen. it's going to be like who declared. Amen. Whatever the Great Lord says, God. you ought to declare it this morning. You ought to begin to speak because that's what shall be. And when I align myself with that, amen, there is hope, there is confidence, there is strong assurance in my spirit this morning that we shall not all sleep. Those folks that have died working for the Lord, living for the Lord, loving the Lord, and yet they experience heartache. 
It almost would seem if we sorrow like the world sorrows, if their life had just been snuffed out, their light had been extinguished, that it was over for them. Oh, devil, if you're laughing, you're making a sad mistake because it's not over for them. They are going to rise in the victory of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Because he rose, because he lives, I'm going to live also. And us who are alive and remain here, and I believe I'm going to see the Lord when he returns. Amen. In this body, in this flesh, I'm not expecting to go by the way of the grave. I believe the Lord's about to return. And when he comes, amen, I'm going to be caught up in the air to meet him and ever be with the Lord. Amen. So whatever I'm going through right now, amen, let me tell you, amen, I'm not going to let it get the best of me because there is still something better coming, Sister Shelton. The best is yet to come. You haven't even, you ain't seen nothing yet. John Paul Jones in the Revolutionary War commanding that vessel that was that was battered and beaten and cannon hole ball holes in the in the hull of that ship and